and whole. And uh, he says to Jesus, verse 33, are you the king of the Jews? And, and Jesus uh, said, uh, uh, did, uh, did you come up with this thing or did somebody tell you this? <laughs> what an answer. I, I love this because Pilate didn't realize it, but he was staring into the eyes of the second person of the Godhead. Right. He was looking at the Son of God. And he says, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, well, would you come up with this or somebody else? No fear whatsoever, huh? I like that. And then Pilate goes on and says, well, are you a king? Are you a king? Right? And uh, Jesus, he, he goes in verse 35, he says, what, do you, what have you done? What have you done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom, verse 36, were of this world, then would my servants fight? that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. And he said, art thou a king then? And G, you know, he says, I have a kingdom, right? Uh, Pilate says, well, are you a king? And he says, thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. And he said, this is why I came. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, what? is truth. Wow. I, can, I don't know if you can see the scene like I see the scene. There's that back and forth that is going on. I've been in the judgment hall. I've been in that room where the judgment hall of Pilate was. It's a very low ceiling. It's etched out of the rock. And it's, and it's, kind of a, it's, it's a fascinating place to go down into. And uh, I can see the scene with my eye and, and the, the back and forth that's going on. And Jesus said, uh, he said, the reason I've came into the world is that I should bear witness of the truth. And it's as if Pilate kind of walks away and quietly says, well, what is truth? What is truth? Comes out, he says, I find no fault in this guy. I find no fault in him. Right? What is truth? That's the age old question, isn't it? What is truth? What is truth? Well, you fast forward over here to Galatians. Galatians chapter 1. And Paul is dealing with an issue here with the Galatians. Right? Pilate said, what is truth? But as children of God, we know what truth is, right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth in thee life, no man cometh unto the Father, but by me. We know what truth is. Truth is not a thing. Truth is not an, an idea. Truth is a person. It's Jesus Christ. And as long as we have Jesus, we have truth, right? And so what is truth? Well, truth is whatever Jesus says is true. Right? Amen? Come on, come on help me out here. Yeah. Truth is whatever Jesus says in truth. We have as children of God, we have Jesus. We have the spirit of truth, the indwelling spirit of God. We have the word of truth. We have the word of God. So hold on now. For us, the question isn't, for you and I, the question is what, isn't what is truth. We know what truth is, right? For us tonight, the question about truth is, where do we place truth among everything else in our life? Where do we elevate truth? Is it up here? Is it down here? Or is it down there? Is it being walked all over? Where do we place truth? Right. Let me ask you this. What are you willing to suffer 
so that truth has its proper place. Do you know all of our forefathers, all of the saints of God that went on before us, they suffered for truth's sake. They would not deny truth. They would not deny the Lord Jesus Christ. They would not deny the Bible, the Word of God. They suffer for it. What will, what will you suffer for truth's sake? What are you willing, where's the threshold for you? Okay. You know what I'm thankful of as we think, these, think of these things? I am thankful that uh, God gives grace when the time's needed. Some people say, boy, I, I read these books. I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know if I can go through that. Well, with the help and the aid of the Spirit of God, you can. When God gives grace, don't worry about it, right? Uh, I think we'll be, able, we'll be able to live like the others have. And uh, so we're looking at truth tonight. We're looking at the issue of truth. And we're asking ourselves, where do we place truth in our life? Well, when you come to the book of Galatians... Truth is really on trial. Paul is on trial, actually. Paul is on trial. And like a great lawyer, Paul is going to lay out his case to the church at Galatia. Now, real quickly, what were the charges? Well, some of the charges were, what is, number one, Paul's authority? And number two, what is Paul's gospel that he's preaching? It came under scrutiny. They, 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 they had trouble with the apostle Paul. Here's what was on trial. The gospel Paul was preaching versus the gospel the Judaizers were preaching. That's what really was on trial here. Right. But they began to come after Paul and they began to question his authority and they began to question what he was preaching. And so Paul seems to deal with the charge uh, the, 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 here in Galatians and then he presents some exhibits of proof and evidence that he's going to add to the record of his defense. He's going to add some things here. So here's the charge was Paul made up his own gospel. That's the charge. The answer we find from the Apostle Paul is in verses 11 through 12 of chapter 1. We're going to go from chapter 1 to chapter 2, just skip around here. But I want to lay this out and show you what's going on here. Look at verse 11, chapter 1, verse 11. He says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Pretty emphatic. Yeah. Look at verse 12. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now Paul is establishing here that he got what he received, what he is preaching. He's saying, I got it supernaturally from Jesus himself. What happened after Paul got saved? Well, we know he... He uh, went from the church at Damascus. The Bible says he, began, he was baptized into that church. He began preaching immediately. And eventually he was led out into the Arabian desert for three years that he spent with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself taught him the gospel and the word of God and, 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 and uh, uh, tutored him in the gospel. And he said, I didn't receive my gospel, my preaching from man. I received it from Jesus Christ. Yeah, and this is, this is pretty interesting here. Notice exhibit one. He, he is saying here, I am not, I was a Jew, not a Christian. Okay? He said, I'm a Jew. 
I'm, I'm not a Christian. Verse 13, for you've heard of my conversion in times past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many mine equals, equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly je- zealous of the traditions of my fathers. So here's exhibit one that Paul's laying out to these detractors that he has no authority in the gospel he's, pre- he's preaching is his own preaching. Notice how he lays this out. I think it's fascinating. Paul is a brilliant, brilliant mind in how he lays arguments out. He says, uh, I was a Jew. I wasn't a Christian. Hello. <laughs> I, was, I was profitable in the Jews' religion. I was a profitable Jew. I was more educated. I was more zealous of the traditions. I mean, good grief, people. I was hunting down Christians and murdering them and having them brought into trial. He said, I was a Jew. Life was good for me. Hold on, think about this. Life was good. Why on earth would I have left the good position I had as a Jew and the prominence and the power that I had and the prestige that I had to go out and preach the gospel? That makes no sense, right? Pretty good argument. Yeah, I remember the Lord began dealing with me on the call to preach. I remember thinking, I kind of like where I am right now. I'm, I'm good with, I mean, we're in church, we're faithful. I, I'm thankful for where we're at. Uh, uh, you know, I like my job. I like what I do. I like where everything's at. Thank you very much. I'm good, Right? This is Paul. Hey, I'm, I'm doing fine. Why would I leave all that the world thinks that I have or that my religion thinks that I have? Why would I leave it to go just preach something of my own gospel and roam around the world shipwrecked and beaten and everything else that's going on? Why would I do this? It makes no sense. Why did he do it? Well, because he met Jesus. <laughs> that's why he did it. Yeah, he said, look at verse 16. He said, I didn't get anyone's opinion. No, let, let me back up here. Look, look at verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, he met the Lord Jesus and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I may preach him among the heathen. Notice what he said here. This is a good lesson here for us too. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Let me tell you something. When the Lord speaks to your heart in a message, when he speaks to your heart in your Bible reading, when he impresses something upon you that you know this is something I need to do, do what Paul did. He said, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. I didn't go find somebody to ask him about it. I didn't call up pastor. I didn't call up my friend. I didn't go meet with so-and-so. He said, I didn't confer with flesh and blood. I said yes to God, right? And sometimes if you watch this in your life, we'll do this, right? We'll get somebody a call. We know what God's doing. We know what he's drawing us to. We know where the obedience is, right? But we got to go ask this one and that one and this one. No, don't do it. Paul said, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't get anybody's opinion. I knew what happened. I knew who I had met. I knew what he had wanted me to do. And he said, I followed him. I responded to him immediately. I conferred not with flesh and blood. Notice what else he says in verse 17. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them that were apostles before me. I didn't go up there to meet them. Watch this. I didn't have their influence. I didn't. This, this is imperative for later. Uh, so... Don't, don't miss this. This is going to come together in his argument. 
He said, I didn't go up and meet with the apostles. I didn't get doctrine from them. That's what he's saying. I didn't get taught from them. Okay? I, I, I neither went up to Jerusalem, them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. I never went to Jerusalem. This is like Mecca. Pardon the term. This is like, this is like the main, this is headquarters. This is, hold on, this is the very body that Jesus himself started. This is the one he called out, personally. I mean, he still calls out, but you know, when he was living here physically on this earth, this is the, begin, this is the first church. Paul said, I didn't even go up there. I didn't do it. Verse 18, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and I abode with him for how long? Fifteen days. Not very long. After 14 years, <laughs> after 14 years of preaching the gospel, after 14 years of being on the mission, eventually out on the mission field, he finally goes up there and he spends 15 days. That's it, two weeks and a day. But of the other apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. So this is all he saw. He saw Peter and James about 15 days. Now the thing which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. He said, I went from there into the regions of Syria. Look at this, verse 22, or 21. Afterwards I came into the region of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. He said, I, didn't, I had no interaction with any Jewish church, any church that had Jews in it. Notice verse 22, verse 23. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. And they glorified God in me. Okay? So watch this. Then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. Titus. Yeah, let me back up. After the after the the uh, the lesson with Jesus in the in in the Arabian desert for three years, he went up to Jerusalem. I said fourteen years. That's not till later here. Okay, let me back up and correct that. That was three years. This is fourteen years after that. Uh, then fourteen years after, I went up again to Jerusalem to, with Barnabas and took Titus with me. So he went to Jerusalem. Watch with a Gentile preacher. A Gentile believer as evidence, watch, as evidence that God was calling Gentiles. He hadn't even been circumcised. He said, I didn't find any reason for him to be circumcised. Why? Hold on. God is blessing and working through somebody who had not been, quote, obedient to the Old Testament Jewish law. And God was doing a great work. See him? He's laying his case out. He's brilliant. And I went up by Revelation, verse 2, and it communicated with them that, that, that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. He's saying it was, it was evident that, was, that the one who was working in Peter was the same one that was working in me. I look at verse 3. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection. No, not for an hour. 
that the truth of the gospel, here it is, the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who have seemed to be somewhat whatsoever they are, maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's persons. For they whom seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing, added nothing to me. These people didn't help me, Paul said, by any means. I had everything I needed. I had already received everything uh, supernaturally by the Lord Jesus Christ in the Arabian desert. It is evident that God is working through the Gentiles. I hadn't been up to Jerusalem. Here, listen, this, let, let, me, let, me, let me show the, the conclusion here. Let me word it to you this way. When the ones who got their gospel from the feet of Jesus... Paul says, gave us the right hand of fellowship. What they were saying is, the gospel that you are preaching is the very same gospel that we received of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you haven't even been among us, which means you had to have been taught by Jesus Christ himself. Paul's telling these Galatians, the gospel I preach is the same gospel that Jesus gave the disciples because he gave it to me in the Arabian desert. How is it possible for me to be preaching the same gospel for 17 years when I hadn't even seen Peter or James, or, you know, except for Peter and James, I hadn't seen anybody except Peter and James for 15 days over a 14-year period. How is that even possible? Right? I'll tell you what happened. We, something radical happened in Paul's life. Amen? Yeah. It changed his life's course. And the one who changed his course was the one who taught him, who had, which had taught the first apostles as well. Here's Paul's, Paul's, uh, Paul's uh, uh, argument here that he has given to these Galatians. Right? The judgment that they've listed at Paul of preaching another gospel, Paul has laid out quite quite handily here, not guilty. I'm preaching the same gospel. What was he preaching? Paul was preaching the truth, the truth of the gospel. Truth. Yeah. And that's where we ought to be today. We ought to preach truth. We ought to preach the gospel. Right, I remember just uh, thinking this this last couple weeks, two or three weeks here before Christmas, and uh, uh, you know you have visitors and you like to maybe do something a little more focused, and that's what I told you uh, just a couple weeks ago. And I began uh, thinking about it and praying about it and thought, what else would be a better thing to preach than the gospel? For what is the what is the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ but the gospel? Right, the good news, and uh, that's what we preach today. We don't need to preach, uh, you know, a, a uh, you know a, a better you. I don't need to be, preach your best life now. I don't need to preach the champion within you. I don't need to preach all of this garbage, the self help. You know, a lot of the stuff that you get on the radio, a lot of stuff that you're going to get on the television or online, um, the majority of it is just a bunch of self-help gurus that throw Bible verses onto it to make you have a better life now. That is not the truth of the gospel. No, I'm thankful for a better life. But you know what? We have a great life whether we are uh, whether the bank account is full or whether it's empty. Whether we're living in freedom or we're living under bondage. Right? The truth of the gospel is I just told somebody this today uh, I was on the phone with us uh, our, our, actually our architect here that has done that does is doing our stuff here. I said, you know what? This to the believer, the planet Earth, this is our hell. Right. This is it. 
And to those that are rejecting the gospel, this is their heaven. That's all they've got. What am I saying tonight? Truth. Preach truth. Preach the truth. What is truth? The gospel of Jesus Christ. What is truth? It is Jesus. But Paul is showing the Galatians here, I'm preaching truth, man. Why? Because I value truth above everything else. He valued truth above his position. He valued truth above the, above the power that he had as, 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 a, um, as a Pharisee and most likely on the council of the Sanhedrin. He valued truth above the prestige that he had and the education that he had. Hey, he wanted truth above everything else and that's exactly what he preached. You know what? It's good enough for us, isn't it? Amen. But notice secondly, Truth in what we practice. I only have two points tonight. Aren't you excited? All right. Truth in what we preach. All right. Truth in what we practice. Look at chapter 2. Look at verse 11 through 15. It's one thing to preach it, another thing to live it. Amen? <laughs> Come on. I think we've all lived there, right? Amen. It is another thing to live the truth. Amen. And Paul's going to give an example here of what happened between him and Peter. They had a little tussle. They had a little argument. And uh, notice verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Ouch. For before that certain came from James, that certain, (laughs) Peter, He did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them, which were the circumcision, the Jews. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. They followed Peter's uh, example, and they separated from the Gentiles. You know, Jews aren't supposed to eat with Gentiles. And so much that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel... Here it is. Paul's more concerned about the truth of the gospel than anything else. I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, right? You're born again. You're in a church. You're not in the synagogue anymore. You're preaching the gospel. I mean, you're a a member of a body of Jesus' church, right? You're living after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews. Why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews. I mean, how, how logical is this? Peter, if you're not even living like a Jew, why are you expecting Gentiles to live like a Jew? Makes no sense, does it? So he had come to Antioch. This is Paul's sending church, Antioch, right? But here's Peter. He's an apostle. He has some authority still. Right? Could you imagine? I mean, th- th- this is Peter. He has the authority of Now, he's not the pastor at Antioch, so he doesn't have authority in that church, but he's still an apostle. He's still an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. He still has the, have the, has the gifts of an apostle that I, I'm telling you that died with those apostles, and they are not out there today. Nobody's an apostle today like, like, the, uh, like the 11 and, or like the 12 apostles. That, that is not out there today. But this is Peter. He was, really was somebody, and, but he was refusing to eat with the Gentiles. He'd eaten with them before, but some other Jews showed up, made him nervous, right? And, he's, and he backed away like, oh, yeah, yeah, we don't eat. Oh, no, no, we don't eat with these. We don't eat with the Gentiles. No, we don't do that. And he began drawing people away. 
What was Peter doing? He was walking away from truth. Watch. He was walking away from truth to satisfy some religious cult. Amen. Yeah. Even Barnabas. He'd been years with Paul by this time. He'd been spent time with Paul, right? He obviously had seen the hand of God on the Gentiles. Barnabas was an eyewitness that, hey, uh, God's hand is moving on the Gentiles, and, uh, but he followed Peter off. Yeah. Why did they do this? Well, I mean, like I said, think about who Peter is. He was an apostle. He walked with Christ. He was taught directly by the Lord Jesus. James is the half-brother of Jesus. I mean, he lived with them from a child. He lived with his older brother, and his really his elder brother, but his older brother, Jesus. Could you imagine what that must have been like? The guy never got in trouble, <laughs> ever, right? I mean, hey, James was an unbeliever most, most of, uh, until, until the crucifixion and the resurrection. James was an unbeliever. Yeah. He's most likely was the church of the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. Pastor of the church, his brother started, his half-brother started, Jesus started. James is pastor of the church that most likely started, would, have, would have had to have started the church at Antioch. So watch, you can see it, right? Because of Peter and James, because of who they are as a person, because of their position, because of the power they have, because of the posterity that they have. I mean, hey, listen, they, they, are, they, are, uh, they, they are the offspring of the preaching of the gospel uh, of of uh, in the beginning there with John the Baptist. I mean, they started way back. Hold on a minute, but they were wrong. No, these were somebodies, but they were wrong. These were important guys. I know we're getting this, right? Maybe the people, I, I can't see anybody's eyes online that are watching. I can't tell their face, just in case they look quizzical, right? These people were somebody, but they were wrong. They were wrong. This is what Paul is telling this Galatian church. The very thing that they are being led away with, that the Galatians are are accusing Paul of, the very thing that these Galatians are being led away of, Paul's saying, big deal, I've already dealt with this, and I dealt with it with Peter, the apostle, and James, the brother of Jesus Christ. And just as much as they were wrong, you're wrong as well. Wow. I'd like to have seen that, actually. That would have been fun. He corrects Peter. Look at verse 14, chapter 2. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. What is he telling? What is he saying there? Well, this is the truth. No, this is is what what is true. He's given the details. He dealt with Peter face to face. Right? And this is always the best way to deal with things like this. Go to him. Face to face. I preached up in Iowa one, one time. And I preached on the subject of, of tongues. Of the, uh, <clears throat> the improper, uh, the improper 
um, a use of the modern-day charismatic movement of, of the supposed gift of the, of the Holy Spirit of tongues. And uh, when I got done, a friend of mine who pastors several towns to the west here, he uh, caught me at the back door with his Bible open, <laughs> and he said, uh, great message, brother, really enjoyed that. Hey, but let me show you this. I said, oh, I hadn't seen that. And uh, that's good. That's good. And uh, it was truth. Little, little, it wasn't a huge detail, just a little, little detail. Something that I hadn't caught. Something I'd said that wasn't quite quite right. And uh, anyway, but, the, but no, that's, a, that's a good way to do it. Amen? That's a good way to do it. You know, Matthew 18, right? If thy brother trespasses against thee, go and tell him. Go to him, right? This is what Paul does. He has some character. He, he's, he has some, some, uh, some grit about him. And he goes to Peter. He deals with him in front of everybody, verse 14, right? <clears throat> it's kind of a public offense. Peter did it in front of everybody. So Paul corrected him in front of everybody. Ooh, I like that. And he asks him a real simple question. If you're a Jew living like a Gentile, why do you want these Gentiles to live like Jews? Right? And Paul, listen, Paul revisited this to the, to, the, to the Galatians to show them, to show them Peter had the same problem. Yeah, Peter. Yeah. And he was wrong. For by no works of the flesh, no works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. What was Paul telling this Galatian church? Preach the truth, which I'm doing. I'm preaching truth. Number two, live the truth. Live the truth. There's something bigger going on here that I want to settle on and then we'll be done. The underlying thing of all of this is like what I began at the beginning about truth. Truth is above all else. Truth is above everything. Watch. Truth is more important than anything. That, I mean, you could, you could meditate on that for a while. Truth is more important than anything and everything. It's the most important thing. right? Because if you don't have truth, right, obviously you have error. So what does this tell us tonight? Well, it tells us that, number one, i got three, four things written down here about truth. Truth is more important than the person. Right? It, truth, to, to the Apostle Paul, truth was more important than Peter being an apostle. He wasn't going to let it go because he was affecting people with his false doctrine. And Paul said, that, you know, I can't, I can't let this happen. Number two, truth is more important than position. Peter is one of the original 12 apostles. We've already looked at that quite a bit. Truth is more important than the person. Truth is more important than the position. Number three, truth is more important than posterity. Right? You know, you know when Peter came? He came under the, I just said this, under the baptism of John. Well, how do you know that? Well, Jesus said, what went ye out to see? 
about speaking of the baptism of John. The Bible says all Judea went out to see John and was baptized of, of John in the wilderness. What, what was John's role? John's very purpose, he had the authority to baptize and his very purpose was to prepare the way for the Messiah. What was he doing? He was preparing people, right, for Jesus to start his church with. How were they prepared? Well, they repented and then they were baptized. They were immersed who had the authority? Well, John had the authority to baptize, right? And so when Jesus started his church, what did he have? He had a, he had a repentant, right? Um, a regenerated, baptized membership. Yeah, that's what he started with. So he has quite the, he, he's part of a, quite a posterity here, right? He's one of the originals, one of the original members. But truth is more important than that. Right? Truth is more important than, well, whoever baptized you. I asked my granddad one day, years ago, he's been, I just realized he's been dead for 22 years now. I cannot believe it. It seemed like yesterday. Christmas Eve, 2001, he passed away at 94. But uh, several years before that, I'd asked him, I said, uh, I said, Paul, when did you get saved? And uh, he said, I was, I was 12. He said it was a tent meeting. They put up a big tent and they'd put sawdust down the middle aisle, you know. I've told you this, I think, before. And uh, he said, I can't remember who was preaching. And uh, it was, I went on into the kitchen to do something else. About 15 minutes later, he hollered in there, it was Billy Sunday. <laughs> I was like, wow, you're old. <laughs> that was a long time ago, Billy Sunday. And uh, he, uh, he got saved. But you, can I tell you something? Truth is more important than somebody getting saved at uh, Billy Sunday meeting, right? Absolutely. Amen. Truth is more important than posterity. Number four, truth is greater than earthly power. Truth is more important than earthly power. Think about this, because of Peter's person, because of his position, because of his posterity, man, that dude had power. He had power. And Paul is telling the Galatians and he told Peter to his face truth is more important than how much power you have he had so much power people were following him in his error even Barnabas and Paul says this has to stop I don't care who you are you're wrong and you're leading people astray yeah. truth truth above all else yeah. can I tell you though this tonight if, if this is true with, the, with Peter it's just as true with preachers today. It's just as true. It doesn't matter the following you have online. Truth is above all else. It doesn't matter how high up on the ecclesiastical ladder that you have climbed in your whatever you're a part of. Truth is more important and is above uh, how high you are on your ecclesiastical ladder. It doesn't matter how many preacher boys, and I, I don't like that term, right? Preachers don't have preacher boys. They're not yours. They're God's, okay? I understand uh, God allows pastors to raise up Timothys and send them off in the ministry, and it's a wonderful thing. But I'm, not, I'm just not as keen on that term. It's like kind of like, yeah, look what I did. Bless God. I got, I got 50 preacher boys out there, out in the country and out in the world. Bless God. You ever heard that? Yeah. Well, truth's more important than that, buddy. Listen, and if you're wrong somewhere... You need, to, you need to accept the correction that you're wrong. 
And you should love truth more than your posterity. More, more than how many preacher boys you have. Hey, listen, you, you should, we, truth is above and more important and above uh, how, how much power you have, right? How much power you're able to yield in your Bible college or in your fellowship that you're a part of. Boy, there's some, no, there, there may be nothing wrong in general, but hey, there's some that get, listen, I've seen it over and again, and I think we should always be aware of this. It seems like some, some men, they get to a position, they get to a place, they get a, a bigger church, they start running a hundred, then two hundred, then five hundred, then a thousand, and no, I know those that are out there that are three and four and five thousand, and all of a sudden it's like nobody can tell them what they're doing wrong. They're not going to listen. Why? They, pff, look what I have, how can I be wrong? No, I'm sorry, and it's very easy to say it at this stage where we are, Crimson Avenue Baptist Church, I get it, right? If there's 5,000 in here, maybe it might be a little different, but it's just as true with, with what's in here tonight as there would be a 5,000 in here tonight, but truth is more important and greater and, uh, and above no matter how big the ministry is. And somebody should be able to come along and say, you know, you said this or you did this and it's not true and it's not right. We should be able to take that. Why? Because we should love truth. We should love truth. You know what else we know? We're human and we can be wrong. Yeah. After 73 years, Martin has finally had his first occasion when he was wrong. Last week. Yep, yeah, last week. Yeah. Amen. Hey, if the Apostle Peter could be corrected, so could you or I. Right. If, the Apostle, if the Apostle Peter could be wrong, so could you or I. Yeah, absolutely. Here's what I found, that those who love truth can take correction. Those can, hey, those who love truth like Apollos can be taken aside like Priscilla and Aquila and show them more perfectly the way of Christ. Oh, he was preaching a coming Messiah. He just didn't know he'd come yet. And they said, man, this guy can preach. He is preaching. You know, have you heard of, you know, have you, have you heard of, of Christ? No, I've only known the baptism of John. Well, let me show you. And they took him aside. Wow. Yeah. Why were they able to do that? Because he loved truth. Do you know there's some people out there you can't do that with? If you, listen to me tonight. If, if, somebody, if you can't take correction or you know somebody that cannot take correction based upon what is true or not, I'm telling you, that person does not love truth. Yeah. And you have to say that to yourself. Boy, maybe I don't love truth. Yeah. Why? Why, why? I mean, listen. We're like, friend, can you see the day we're in now? We are upside down. Right? I mean, we're living in the time where good is called evil and evil is called good. Right. Yeah. I've told you, I went on this tirade the other, the other day. I was at Sunday school or whatever about these kids. Brother Earl just says yes, because every Sunday is like a tirade. But I thought you were just nodding in general. So, but <laughs> no. But, uh, but these kids are dressing up as cats and dogs in the schools now. This is their reality. No, you're wrong. You're not a cat. You're not a dog. If you're a girl, you're a girl. If you're a boy, you're a boy. Amen. Right? Dress like it. Act like it. Look like it. Talk like it. Right? Oh, my goodness. Why? Because truth is truth. Yeah. 
And we're living in a time where, man, listen, if we're not going to tell the world what truth is, who is? Who is? Do you love truth tonight? Do you really love truth? Yeah. Let me warn you, sometimes correction on truth can come from a source you'd rather not have. No, it'd be one thing, it'd be one thing if, uh, you know, doctors so-and-so stepped out of the, uh, the, the, the upper echelons of his office and came down and showed you some great truth that you missed. You go, oh, wow, that is, whew, I hadn't seen that. Wow, that's wonderful. Something else when a 14-year-old comes and said, well, you said this, but it says this. You have two choices. You go, get out of here, punk. <laughs> I've been preaching longer than you've been alive, buddy. Right? <laughs> and you're still wrong, yeah. Or you could say, wow, isn't that neat? Yeah. Yeah. Watch out. A lot of the, a lot of the correction comes in the instruction and truth you know, can come from avenues we don't really like it. I worked at a company years ago. And uh, one of the guys that worked in the office was, uh, I, I enjoyed, I just texted him the other day, actually, see how he was doing. He was one of the artists there. And, uh, and uh, you know him. He's been here a few times, several times before. And I've mentioned uh, maybe this to you before. But he had told me he got, <laughs> he got saved back in the late 70s uh, watching... Um, uh, just went blank. Um, he was on the TV all the time. Always did prophecy. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll think about it here in a minute. And he said, he said, uh, I was watching this, and he was talking about the resurrection and how uh, you know Jesus' body was you know um, uh, wrapped up in him, probably between the wrappings and the all of the spices and ointments, probably 120 pounds worth of stuff. And he goes, I remember thinking, there's no way anybody can get out of that. And he got out of me. He goes, I just believe, I believed that Jesus, you know, and he said, I got saved there. And kind of a neat testimony, different path of life afterward. But, and we, we would talk quite a bit in his office back here and there about these spiritual things that I enjoyed it. And uh, you know how I am. I mean, sometimes I tease too much. And I was in his office and I said something and I said, here's, here's the project. Here's what we're looking for. I need you to design this. And, uh, I know it's hard for you and you're not that good and you probably won't come up with anything nice, but just give it a, give it a try anyway. This guy is by far one of the, one of the best uh, artists in this field that I know. And I was teasing, you know. And I went back to my office and I'm working away. And he, he comes into my office and he slowly shuts the door. Uh-oh. And he says, you know, when I got saved... Silly joking and jesting left my life. Ouch. And he says, I don't really care for that. (laughs) I said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, you know what's funny? Just this morning I was asking the Lord to guard my lips on the way to work. (laughs) Should have asked again. I remember this. I remember it like it was yesterday. I haven't done a very good job since about the joking. <laughs> but that bothered him. And that, that was some truth. I mean, the Bible, you know, we're not to, you know, the Bible talks about jesting. You know, just overly, you know, foolish joking and things like that. And they, I mean, 
this was an avenue of correction on truth. And I said, just say, okay. Do you love truth? Do you love truth? Will you preach it? Yeah. We need more people to preach truth. Yeah. Will you live it? I'll tell you what, if you're going to go out and preach truth, you better make sure you're living it because somebody will point it out when you're not. Right. Do you know why a lot of people don't, go, don't, don't soul win on a daily basis, on, on a regular basis? Because they know their life doesn't match up what they're trying to preach and they feel like they're hypocrites and they just don't do it. It's a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. Do you love truth? What are you willing to sacrifice for truth? What level, where do you draw the line of sacrifice for truth's sake? Listen, saints, God has put us here for a purpose. He's allowed us to be born at the time we were born, living at the, at the, in the time that we're living Right, we are this as right, like Esther. For such a time as this, I think every one of us in our life, I'm not. Listen, I mean this. Every one of us can say, for such a time as this, we are on this planet, living in this town, in this place where we are. Why? For truth's sake. We have the truth, right? The Bible says, "Buy the truth and sell it not." Right? We have the truth. Let's make sure we're living it. Let's make sure we're preaching it. Right? Let's make sure we're practicing it. And uh, let's make sure that it's truth above all else in our life and and those around us. And when somebody comes along and helps us out on truth, uh, let's take it. Let's take it. Because if we love it, it shouldn't be that hard, right? If we love truth. Father, thank you. Lord, help us to become lovers of truth. Not only in what we preach, but also in how we practice it and how we live it. I know we're human. I know we have our, we have our flesh that we deal with. And uh, we fail. And we don't always live up to the truth. I know that. And I'm thankful for uh, confession. I'm thankful for the blood of Christ. But Lord, I think everyone in here and those listening tonight would have the same testimony. We want to live the truth and we want to preach it and we want to practice it. We believe the truth and we believe who the truth is, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Father, would you help us tonight, encourage us, strengthen us, renew us uh, to get out and live and preach uh, truth in a world that has no clue what truth is. Would you help us to do that now more than ever in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me if you would, please. Just a short time of invitation. The instrument will play like usual and however the Lord has spoken to you. Are you living truth? Are you practicing truth? Are you preaching truth where God has placed you? Do you love truth above all else? Do you love the truth? Are there ways where you've backed away like Peter has? Maybe it was at work. Maybe it's in the break room. Maybe it was somewhere where you could have stood up for truth. And you backed away a little bit. And maybe you've led some people astray. And you need to ask the Lord to help you next time not to do that. To stand strong in, in when truth comes. Is there a truth in front of you that you've not been obedient to and you need to be? 
you know the Lord is drawing you. You know the Lord has been working in your heart. You know there's something. Nobody else may know about it, but it's something between you and Him that you need to do. If you're a lover of truth, the Lord has convinced you what is right. Would you just surrender to that tonight and obey Him? Well, be careful going home tonight. And uh, I think Saturday, we might have a good day to go door knocking. We'll see. I thought it looked like it might be up towards 50, or maybe that was Sunday. But between now and then, they'll change it anyway. And uh, I've got an app 